0: In today's show, we're going to look back at some of the free agency signings, but also which players have gained the most value and lost the most value for fantasy basketball after the trades and free agency has sort of settled down. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. We are here Just to to recap, I guess, what's happened in the last, say, 24 hours in terms of free agency signing. There hasn't been many signings, Um, but then also go through to look at at this early point. Again, I'm just starting to do the projections over at Basketball Monster, but the players just from a bird's eye view, which have gained or who have gained the most value for free agency and players who have lost value based on trades and uh, drafting and free agency signings that have occurred. So that's what we're going to do in today's show. Let's get stuck straight into talking about talking about the uh, the free agents that have signed over this uh, over this twenty four hour period since you last heard from me. There hasn't been, as I said, there hasn't been a huge amount of those uh, of those signings, but there are some that we do need to talk about. And the first one of those we're going to talk about is Saban Lee. Yes, Saban Lee, who played, I thought, all right for a second round pick last year. He was a two-way guy, so they've upgraded his two-way contract into a three-year deal. We don't have the terms financially. I would assume it's close to a minimum with some non-guarantees at the back end, whether it's the last year that's non-guaranteed or whether it's the last two years, I don't know. A lot of these deals, actually, that have been announced in the last 24 hours, we don't really have the details on them. But Saban Lee, he's going to go in there behind Corey Joseph, behind Killian Hayes. Of course, Cade Cunningham's there. He's not going to be a regular, everyday player for the Pistons. But he is there, and it is a reward for him performing at a high level and given that opportunity. You think it's almost impossible now for Dennis Smith Jr. to be back in Detroit. Imagine, Dennis, I was so high on Dennis Smith. I oh, absolutely screwed that one up. I was so high on him coming into the draft, and he has been uh, really bad. And I don't know where he's going to end up. Is he going to end up on an NBA team? He's not going to have a role as a starter or as a backup, most likely. Um, really, really rough stuff for Dennis Smith Jr. Another point guard who has signed. We don't know the details of this one either. Hal Neto goes to Washington. He was playing far too many minutes last year under Scott Brooks. But he gets to, uh, to jump in there as probably the backup, you would assume, behind uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. Of course, um, Ish Smith was the other guy who was getting those backup minutes last year. He's gone to Charlotte, Westbrook's gone, so it'll be Neto getting backup minutes. It's not going to have any sort of impact for fantasy, but he can just slide in there as the backup point guard in, uh, in Washington and be solid enough, as long as he's not overused the way that Scott Brooks overused him last year, uh, Neto is totally fine in that role and actually can be really a, a reliable defender and, and quite a reliable player if he's put into the right situation. The next one we want to talk about. Flaming Flaming Mo Wagner. He heads to Orlando or back to Orlando to join his brother, Franz, who was drafted there. It's a two-year deal. We don't know the terms. It's likely a minimum deal, but the minutes for him are going to be rough. There is um, Mo Bamba. There's Wendell Carter Jr. They just signed Robin Lopez. Uh, Will Wagner play the four? Oh, well, if you're going to play the four, there's John Isaac. There's your brother, Franz Wagner. There is uh, Chumurikiki in that mix, although a lot of those guys will play the three. I just don't... Mo's only 24 years of age, but I was not really sure where the minutes are going to come for him. And he did put up some okay numbers last year when they were just resting guys and a bunch of guys were injured, but he's probably fourth string center at this point and maybe third string power forward, so not a lot there to uh, get too excited about about Mo Wagner. This next one though is super important, and that's Danny Green. Going back to the Philadelphia 76ers, two years, twenty million dollars for Green. Danny Green is just a player who is a winner. I, and I hate using that term because it's not—it's something that's often put out there, not quantifiable. But Danny Green, this is quantifiable. He makes teams better. His advanced numbers are always—you—they're always good. He's a great shooter. He's a good defender. Yes, he's lost a few steps at age thirty-four. That's not. To be, you know, that's not unexpected. But when he goes out, he just creates a huge hole. And we saw that when he was injured in that series against the Hawks for the Sixers last year. So going back there, bringing that starting lineup back at this point, who knows what the hell's happening with Ben Simmons. But, yeah, you know, Curry and Green alongside Harrison and Embiid. Um, yeah, that, that's, and I think that's a really cheap deal for Green. I know he's 34, he had $20 million guarantees, quite a bit, but it's not that much considering some of the other contracts that were handed out. Green, to me, is worth uh, worth a lot more than that, um, and other contenders should have been trying to get him. Maybe they were, but he came back to Philadelphia, and a good deal for Philadelphia to get Dan Green back in action. Um, next one. Now, this is a really interesting one. Lou Williams. Remember last year when he was traded from the Clippers to the Atlanta Hawks, and he was like, oh, I think I might retire. How dare you trade me? I'm going to retire. This is a disaster Um, then played a sizable role, I guess you would say, for the Hawks, especially when Trey Young was injured in the playoffs. He comes back one year, $5 million. But let me put it this way to you. And I had this same issue with this Hawks team last year and they were never injured. Sorry, they were never healthy. But let's do this. Is Lou Williams in the best 10 players on the Hawks and will he play every night? So their starting lineup will be Trey Young, Bogdan Bogdanovich, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, and Clint Capella. There's your starting five. Very hard to debate that, I would have thought. The second unit, they remember they just traded for D-Lon Wright. So you've got d Lon Wright, Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, the Italian cock, Danilo Gallinari. Hands up, my cock! Ha! And then Onyeka Okongwu slash Gorgi Jeng as the backup center. And then Solomon Hill and Lou Williams are like the eleventh and twelfth man. I guess you could say Lou Williams should play over DeLon Wright. I would disagree with that, but you could say that that's that's the situation. But there is not a huge role here for Lou Williams, regardless. Even if he does take DeLon Wright's minutes as the backup point guard, there's not a lot there. Young Bogdanovich, Hunter Collins, Capella, Wright, Herder, Reddish, Gallinari, Akongwu. There's your ten. And it leaves Jeng, Hill, and Williams on the outside looking in. Forget about Jalen Johnson and Sharif Cooper playing at all. They're fourteenth and fifteenth men. It's a stacked roster. So obviously we're not drafting Lou Williams for fantasy. But I I just I don't. Is he going to play every night? If there's if they're healthy, is he is he in over D line? I don't know how that's going to work. Really, really interesting stuff. The Phoenix Suns are bringing back Frank Kaminsky. (sighs) Cool. So Monty Williams can start him at inopportune times. At least they do have Javale McGee to play those backup centers over him. Because you would have worried if they had brought back Frank with Dario Saric out and uh, and then not brought in McGee, so it would have mean we would have got Frank Kaminsky playing every night. Kaminsky's not good. Um, I, I don't think there's any real debate about that. Um, and yeah, he's not going to have a fantasy impact. Hopefully, they never ever start that combination of Kaminsky and Aiton together again, like they did last year. But yeah, you never know. Williams, while he's a good coach, very, very good coach, he does make some confusing decisions at times. The Double Royal, Julius Randle. We're going to talk a little bit more about him later on, but he signs an extension, four years, $117 million. That means he's going to get paid $150 million over the next five years. Now, Julius Randle was an all-star this year. Didn't quite think he should have been. He was All-NBA. I definitely think he shouldn't have been All-NBA second team. I I got no problem saying that out loud. I did not think he should have been second team All-NBA. That is a lot of money. That's almost $30 million a year. But I don't, like he's 26. It's going to take him through to age 31, this extension. I don't think that that's a bad extension at all. I think, again, you're paying him at age 26 at a pretty nice rate. You think the All-NBA is a little bit skewed. But with what the Knicks seemingly are building at the moment, again, that signing of Kemba Walker really does help them. Um, it, maybe it looks ugly for Randall. Remember, there was we were... The nineteen twenty season, every single Knicks fan, basically. Trade this asshole off this team. Randall, he is a bum. Get him out of here. So many spin moves. The Tasmanian devil. Get the ball out of his hands. He is disgusting. I cannot wait to get rid of him. Can't we just wave him now? These were not isolated comments. And now... Randall, the absolute savior, guarantee. Look, could he go back to being that bum who takes too many contested shots and out of control drives to the paint and the three-point shooting, which improved from like 28% to 40%. If that drops back down, what the hell do we have? There are there are risks in that, I, I think for sure. It's far from a guarantee that Randall, who's had one great season with a lot of other ones not so good, including one in New York uh, before that, that he maybe regresses. There is a possibility of that. I would say it's less than 50% chance. But it's not outrageous to suggest that, I wouldn't have thought. But, you know, the, the move there um, was pretty, it's pretty, pretty good, I think, from uh, him to get that money and the Knicks to do it. It's a risk I think you have to take in that scenario. And then the last sign I'm going to talk about is one that I'm going to guess that majority of you blokes listening to this have um, never heard of. And that's Ishmael Wainwright. Yes, Ishmael Wainwright, who played for Baylor um, in college, but then was playing for Strasbourg over in uh, over in Europe. Um, he is like a six foot five small forward, um, twenty seven years of age. I don't really know what sort of role he's going to have, if he has any role in Toronto at all, uh, that will remain to be seen to see exactly what his role is there. But he is coming across, like they are mining the depths of Europe here. That's Sam Decker that they've brought across. That's Ishmael Wainwright that they're bringing across. They're you know, tr- still trying to re Johnson and uh, wherever his NBA career goes. It's not, um, I wouldn't say they're the most inspiring signings at this point for the Raptors, but Hey, the most important signing that Toronto could have made was executed today with Masai Ujiri signing a new contract to become the president of the Raptors. That's an interesting title. I assume it just means that he gets somewhat more power. I don't really know how much more power the dude could have got, but maybe that means yeah, he gets a little bit more power there uh, in Toronto. Now, there's still some some free agents who are available, and a lot of those ones who were on the list yesterday are still there. Dennis Schroeder, Kelly Oubre, of course, Kawhi Leonard, Reggie Jackson, Josh the Hitman Hart, Hamadou Diallo is still out there. Um, if people think he's a good player, he's still around. There are uh, quite a few. We've had no movement on those. I probably won't be doing a show across the weekend, but we'll do a recap Sunday night, Monday morning. Of your know, moves, that hopefully we get most of those uh, signings squared away, because that'll help me be able to you know, fully dive in and get all my projections done over at Basketball Monster. But those guys are all still sitting out there, and really the one that we um off that list, I think it's only Danny Green who has um who's signed in the uh, in in recent times. So now I think it is a good time to have a look at players who I think um well not I think. In, in my opinion, have lost value due to trades, due to draft picks, due to free agency signings for fantasy. Now, this is, again, before I have dug in to do these projections because rosters aren't set, so it makes it really hard to do fantasy projections at this point. But at this early stage, eyeballing it and trying to get a rough idea of where we sit. These are the guys who I think who will come out with a better situation than what we anticipated or where they were last year and guys that come out with a worse situation than uh, than where they were last season. So let's start with some free agency winners. Let's go to Boston to start off with. And I think Marcus Smart and The Rock DJ Robbie Williams are the guys that we have to have a look at there. Um, Smart will be at this point, unless he is traded, he will be the starting point guard. So there's no Kemba and there's no Evan Fournier and it's going to be Marcus Smart starting next to, I guess, Josh Richardson and his backups, Peyton Pritchard and Smart, invaluable, that's not the right word, invariably performs better when he's a point guard. He's a very good passer. Usage will probably go up a little bit as well. And then Rob Williams. And when you might say, well, they got Al Horford, that's true, but last year, remember, he was battling Daniel Tice and Tristan Thompson. And then it looked like he had Tristan Thompson and Moses Brown around. They're both gone. So while I still think Horford will start, Williams, who played like 18 minutes a night last season, will probably go up to like 21, 22. Maybe he even starts over Horford and plays 27. Regardless, there are more minutes there for the rock DJ, Robbie Williams. So I think that's, um, that's hard to uh, hard to debate, I guess, at this point. But I tell you what's not hard to debate, and that is the Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. These bars, they taste like candy bars, but they're not candy bars because they are healthy, good for you protein bars. There is nine permanent delicious flavors, including coconut, raspberry, strawberry, orange, cookies, and cream, the goat flavor, by the way. But if you don't know what your goat flavor is, buy a mixed box. You get 18 bars, two of each of the nine flavors, and you get to try which one is your favorite. But it's not just about taste, because they are great, but they're healthy. 17 to 18 grams of protein, just 4 to 5 grams of sugar. The calories range from 130 to 180 and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs as well. Amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. And Built Bar is the official protein of the US track and field team. So go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. The promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, let's go on to the uh the next The next bunch or the next guy that I think is a winner in free agency, and that is Nicholas Batum because he's back to the Clippers and he was on the Clippers last year. But the difference between this year's Clippers team and last year's Clippers team is that Kawhi Leonard is not going to play the majority of the season. So there is a gaping, gaping hole at small forward. And I think Batum's going to be the bloke that fills that gaping hole. So he will likely start at small forward, I would imagine. I'd also could have put Marcus Morris in here as a winner, because we know that bloke loves taking shots, and Paul George <laughs> through the roof. But that's not impacted by free agency. That's by really by injury to Kawhi. Batum's is impacted by free agency because he signed back, and now he gets it to a roll. And he probably will be an interesting assists and steals guy with some threes at an end of draft. Low upside, but an interesting player to look at at the end of your drafts, so who I think does get... if. Eff- Kawhi wasn't healthy, and if he went to a different... Like, if he went to the Warriors or he went to the Lakers, Batum's value will be much less than what it is now, heading back to the Clippers. In New Orleans, Lonzo Ball is out. Eric Bledsoe is out. We don't know the status of where Josh the Hitman Hart's going to land, but Devontae Graham came in. And Graham last year was backing up Lamelo Ball. He is likely... I don't think he should, but he is likely going to be the starting point guard... For the Pelicans, I would just be giving it to Kyra Lewis. But they invested four years, $40-plus million and a first-round draft pick to get him. So Devonte's going to be the starter. He's going to absolutely drop a log all over your field goal percentage. But good assist. He hit a lot of threes. He'll score well. Solid. And with Bledsoe gone, and with Hart not like likely coming back, I think Alexander Walker is going to be the shooting guard. Now, this bloke doesn't know how to not take a shot. So there are going to be a lot of shots there. He can be all right with steals. He's not the greatest passer, so his peripherals can be a little bit iffy, but he could average 17 points per game, I think, with two and a half threes. So a big, big value bump with Lonzo, Hart, and Bledsoe all likely out in New Orleans. It also helps Kyra Lewis too, but he's probably not going to get into standard league fantasy relevance, but Graham and Alexander Walker, uh, they should. I think Kemba Walker also is a winner for a couple of reasons. I think moving out of Boston helps. And then the fact that he was at Oklahoma City went, oh, he's going to get Al Horford. He's going to sit games and he's going to probably, you know, miss the back end of the year with his knees. They're going to just preserve him. But now he's been bought out. He heads to New York and he will start and he will play good minutes. And I'm still really worried about his knees, but he is going to get big opportunities to be the starter, to have good usage, to score well. He will still have inefficiencies. He will still miss games, but it won't be like, Anytime he, like, touches his knee and goes, ooh, and the Thunder will go, oh, mate, you're out for a month. Like, that won't happen in New York. The worry I have is that Tom Thibodeau will do the opposite and Kemba will go, Tom, I can actually see the bones through my skin. Like, we've got a problem here. He's going, ah, it's five more minutes, mate. Just give me five, five more. Tom, I can't walk. What do you need to walk for? Let's put, put some wheels on the bottom of your feet. That's the problem. He's going to get ground into dust by Thibodeau. Um, at least there is competent backups there with Rose and, and Quickly, but I think this is a good situation for Kemba to improve some value. For the Thunder, though, um, Teo Melodon, the Salt Flake, Theo, and Joshi Giddy, because we didn't know where Kemba was going to be headed or what he was going to do, because it was going to be just Kemba and Shea starting, uh, uh, you know, most likely. But now there's a starting point guard up for grabs, and you imagine Teo gets the start and immediately. It could be tied Jerome. Giddy can be that guy that starts next to Shea. So yeah, both of these guys could be worth having a look at as late round picks. I don't know yet because I haven't projected everything out. But there is some opportunity there for the Thunder and a starting point guard role now that Kemba has moved on. In San Antonio, few options here. Maximum Derek. Derek White, DeJounte Murray, Thad Young. Now, White really didn't have the ball in his hands a huge amount last year as the starting shooting guard. Of course, he had a million injuries and COVID. But now DeMar DeRozan's gone. So he becomes the best passer on this team immediately. DeRozan was the better passer. DeJounte's not a good passer. White is the best passer. So his assist numbers should go up. DeRozan was having high usage. His usage should go up. Efficiency can be a problem, but I expect a big year from Derek White. I also expect a big year from DeJounte Murray because he will have the ball in his hands more. He will get more usage. DeMar DeRozan is not there. I foresee Calden Johnson moving down to the three. And while Calden's game, I think, should improve with a bit more usage, he is a little bit one note in that he does nothing else. No steals, no blocks, no assists, no rebounds, low threes, poor percentages. But he can get some scoring volume up. But I think that White and Murray will be big, big, big beneficiaries. And I think Thad Young's probably going to be their starting four. And if Young plays 30 minutes, he's shown a new ability to pass. Steel numbers are generally good. I think thats he's going to be a draftable player if he is their starting four, which is what I assume. He should get some pretty good value there in uh, in San Antonio. For the Raptors. But what about OG, B- Stop ones. OG. Uh, you better stop OG. Kyle Lowry is gone. Pascal Siakam will miss the beginning of the season. I think that helps OG Ananobi. We saw at the end of last season when Lowry was in and out of the lineup that Nick Nurse just went, OG, oh, I reckon you're ready for more usage. Just go ham. And he went, all right. And it worked out. And it worked out well. And now there's no Lowry. And there's no Siakam to begin the season. I think it's a really big boost for Ananobi. And with Lowry gone, I assume they start Van Vliet and Gary Trent. Now, Goran Dragic is there. I don't expect him to be there when the season begins. But if Dragic is there, it does hurt Trent a bit because they'll just start Dragic and Van Vliet. But Trent, to me, has that up. Now, I don't think Trent is very good. You're well aware of that. His fantasy game is extraordinarily limited. He needs to be like a 50% shooter because he offers points and threes and nothing else. And when he has a bad shooting night, there's not much else there. But the value is increased. Now, you could also say it's a boost to someone like Malachi Flynn. Yes, but Flynn will still likely be coming off the bench behind Van Vliet and behind Trent. And he might play 22 minutes and it won't be enough to be standard league relevant. And then in Washington, Spencer Dinwiddie and Bradley Beal. Dinwiddie moves into a full-time starting role for the first time in his career. Very much at risk of being overdrafted. He is a poor percentage guy who has very low steal numbers. He can be a good assist and decent scorer, but low threes, low percentages, low steals. Does limit his value, be careful of that. But great opportunity for him. Much better than being in Brooklyn. And then Bradley Beal. He's going to get the ball in his hands more. His usage is going to go back up. He's going to have a great opportunity without Russell Westbrook to put back those numbers that we saw from him uh, in 1920, and he had those a little bit to begin last year, but then that started to drop off as the season went on. But he has an opportunity to keep those numbers high as we move forward. Let's look at losers. I think PJ Washington is a bit of a loser this year because, as we've stated a lot, the PJ Washington's best fantasy performances tend to come when he plays at center. His centers last year were the oft-injured Cody Zeller and the oft-calcified um, Bismack Biombo. I'm not saying that Mason Plumlee is a great center, but I think he's better than those guys. And I feel like James Borrego will bring Mason Plumlee in and he'll start and he'll play 28 minutes a night, which Zala and Biombo didn't. So that limits Washington's playing time at center. They will not, I don't think, start Washington at center. It'll be Plumlee and he'll start at the four. So I think that hurts him somewhat. Plus, there's Miles Bridges that you got to give minutes to at the four as well. So I don't think we're looking at like a 34, 35 minute a night year from Washington. It might still be stuck at that 31 with the vast majority of those being uh, at power forward, which isn't great for his value. Demar DeRozan. He now has to share the ball with Nikola Vucevic. It's Bolsic. It's Bolsic. Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine. Part of his increased value in San Antonio was like 6.9 assists, seven assists. Levine's going to handle it. Lonzo's going to handle it. Vuce is going to handle it. I don't imagine DeMar has the same usage or the same assist rate in Chicago. So he's going to lose value from where he was in, in San Antonio. I think that is almost, almost not a guarantee, but it's pretty close to it. Kelly Olenek. Remember last year? Absolutely dominating. He was like a top 20 player post-trade deadline. Putting up huge numbers as a starter in Houston. He he won't be a starter in Detroit. He will get some interesting backup minutes at the five, probably some at the four. But Isaiah Stewart is, shit, I would hope, is going to start. Jeremy Grant is guaranteed going to start. So Lennox not going to have that 33-minute value that he was having last year. He still might be a useful enough player. You know that I like him from a fantasy perspective and just as a nice NBA role player, I like him. And he's going to be getting minutes every night, for sure. But he's not going to have that same value that he had last year in Houston. Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis, I think, lose value. Davis is going to lose rebounds to Westbrook, and his rebound numbers were already low last year. I don't know whether he's going to play center. God, I hope he does, but I don't know. But he's going to lose usage to Russell Westbrook. It's just going to happen. And Westbrook is going to lose usage and assist opportunities to LeBron. Now, there's one player that Westbrook has to take somewhat of a backseat to. It's going to be LeBron. And to be fair to Russ, he did take a backseat to Bill, to a degree, and he took one to Harden. But it might be even a further step back here with Davis and LeBron around. They're all going to eat into each other a bit. I could have put LeBron there, but I think LeBron is LeBron. He'll be pretty standard in what he does. It'll be Davis and Westbrook that have to take a little bit of a haircut off their production. Victor Oladipo, minimum contract, back in Miami, Now, you could have said, well, he signed a minimum contract and gone to another team, and he actually wouldn't have been a loser. He's not going to be ready to begin the season with that quad injury. I'm not sure he's ever going to be a starting caliber player again. People will still want to draft this guy. But remember, at this point, he is their fourth best guard if he's healthy. Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. And Tyler Hero is not the greatest, but he's better than Victor Oladipo at this point. Max Struess, is he better than Victor Oladipo? at the moment, yes, because Oladipo's hurt. But Oladipo is not going to be a draftable player, in my opinion. Julius Randle. Um, I also think that this is Emmanuel Quickly and Derek Rose, big losers in free agency with the arrival of Kemba Walker. But let me tell you why I think Randle's a loser. Um, Great that he got that contract. That's not why. But for fantasy, what he was doing last year was everything. And it did hurt his percentages, but he was taking so many threes. They were going in at a high rate. I'm not sure that'll happen again. His assist rate was through the roof. But replacing Alfred Payton and Reggie Bullock with Kemba Walker and Yvonne Fournier cannot do anything but take touches away from Julius Randle. Randle can still be the number one guy on the team, and he will be. He can still be really good, and he probably will be but there is no way that Kemba Walker has an Alfred Payton style usage and there is no way that Evan Fournier has a Reggie Bullock style usage. It just has no way of happening. And I don't know what the actual, how big the hit will be on Randall, but there has to be a hit. And yes, he probably will increase efficiency, but the usage and ball handling chances will definitely go down. I can assure you they will go down. They have, to, and if they don't, I can't actually, I can't be 100% sure on things because I I can't be. It's impossible to be that about the future. The only thing I could be 100% sure about is that as soon as I finish here, I'm probably going to go get a coffee and take a piss. Like That's my 100% certainty. But logically, Kemba is going to have the ball more than Alfred Payton. Fournier is going to have the ball more than Reggie Bullock. That is logic. So Randall, therefore, loses value. Andre Drummond, the big avocado. He goes from comparing himself to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar from dribbling like an absolute dick sniffer in Cleveland and trying to do whatever he can on this high usage to being a guy that thinks he's a max contract player to being a minimum salary backup to Joel Embiid. Yeah, he's not a draftable player. Sure, grab him off free agency if Embiid is hurt, but nah, his value has gone from top 20 to top 200 maybe. And then in Washington, I've put Rui Hachimura and Denny Avdia here. And I'll tell you why I've got them there. I? you just hate Rui. I I do not. I think he's a good bloke. I don't hate him at all. I don't think he's as good a player as some people think. But let me go through what Washington's lineup is at the moment. So we've already established that Spencer Dinwiddie and Bradley Beal will be starting in the backcourt. All right. At center, I actually have no idea what they're going to do. Thomas Bryant, torn ACL, probably back in December will be my guess, maybe November. Daniel Gafford, revelation at the end of last season. Oh, they also have Montrezl Harrell. So there's three centers there. And then you would think, uh, Abdia starts at the three, Hachimura starts at the four. Probably. Where does Contavious Coil pope play? He just plays the 14 minutes a night that Bill doesn't play at the two. Oh, KCP can play back up three then. Okay, where does Kyle Kuzma play? So he played just the 15 minutes behind Hachimura. So there's KCP, Avdia, Hachimura, Kuzma, oh, and a bloke they signed to a five-year, eighty-million-dollar deal last year, Davis Bertans. I oh, just play Rui at centre. Do you? Because there's three other centres there. So where? How does all that work out? Avdia, Hachimura, Bertans, Corwell, Pope, Kuzma. It's a lot of blokes. It is a lot of blokes, and. Denny was getting like 24 minutes a night last year, so he's probably not going to be able to take a big increase. Hachimura was getting gifted minutes towards the end of last season. He's not going to have those 35 a night that he was getting. He might be back to 28 a night. Bertans is going to cop a hit. Somehow, Kuzma's is probably going to play the same or even fewer minutes he did in LA somehow, and KCP is going to play fewer minutes. So they become an extraordinarily deep and confusing team, the Wizards. And you, again, you might say, Josh, you're just hating on Kuzma. You're hating on, you hate Hachimura. But if you think about it logically, think about how all that can work. How does KCP, Kuzma, Avdia, Hachimura, Bertans work basically into two positions, small forward, power forward, with whatever scraps Beal leaves over at, at backup shooting guard. And this, I haven't even talked about Their first round draft pick, Corey Kispert. Where the hell does he play? At this point, literally nowhere at all. He cannot play. So their team is real interesting in terms of how that is all going to work. That will do it for me today. Don't forget, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. But on YouTube, there are a couple of things you can do. You can stick your thumb right up. Fire it right up the middle you can ring my bell. Just little soft flicks, hard flicks, whatever you want to do, but just ring that bell so you don't miss an episode and leave your comments down below. Tell me if you like this purple t-shirt. Tell me if you like my little wind guard on my microphone. Just changing changing hardware here in the studio. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you disagree with. Tell me how much I hate Julius Randall and Rui Hachimura, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.